0: Our scripture this morning comes from Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's word. Thank you, Susan. It's so great to hear you read the scripture to us. You know, the past few weeks have been so disruptive. We've been knocked out of old routines and into new ones. And for the overwhelming majority of the people that I've talked to, at least, I've been surprised to hear them say it's been a positive experience. Life is slower. We have more time than ever before. Everything is stripped down to the necessities. So families are spending more time together. They're eating dinner together at the table every night. I've heard so many people say, you know, I really hope that we don't just go back to the old way of doing things. And it got me thinking, you know, it really is a wonderful opportunity, this, this moment that we have here to forge different rhythms and habits that might possibly create a new normal for us, mind, body, and soul, when things start to go back to the way they were before, although hopefully they don't go back to the way they were before. You know, Annie Dillard famously wrote these words. She said, how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. A schedule defends from chaos and whim, A routine is a net for catching days. It is a scaffolding on which the worker can stand and labor with both hands at sections of time. You know, those in Christianity most serious about their discipleship to Jesus have known the need for what they called a rule of life, that is, filling days and weeks with intentional shared practices meant to aim their lives at love for God and love for others, habits done together in a monastery all living together, for example, that form a communal way of life. The Latin word for rule is regula, which refers to a trellis, which is a structure or woodwork in a garden that supports a vine's growth and health. It's Annie Dillard's scaffolding on which you can stand and put both hands on your life to shape who you are becoming intentionally. In theological terms, we could say you grow in Christianity by grace, not works. In spiritual disciplines, habits, they're not the vine. They are the trellis. They are what allows grace to grow in your life. Earlier this year, I read a book, by a guy named Justin Whitmull Early called The Common Rule and I was so impressed with it that I began to dream about what it might look like for us to follow it as a church in some measure, to create a common rule, four daily and four weekly habits that we would all commit to practicing together. And then I thought what a better time to talk about that sort of thing than right now when all this free time is opened up to us. And so for the next four weeks I'm going to introduce Four simple daily habits that I would ask you to prayerfully consider trying to make a part of your routine on a day-to-day basis. And the first of those habits, the one we're going to talk about this morning for a few minutes together is kneeling prayer three times a day. It's that simple, kneeling prayer three times a day. We want to be a people of prayer. Christians do life through prayer, but it's hard to pray without a daily habit of praying. And so that's just what we want to talk about this morning. Kneeling prayer three times a day, and look at it from three angles. First, to see the motivation for it, the why. Secondly, the mechanics of it, the what, what exactly do we mean by this. And then thirdly, the motor for it, or the how, where does the power come from to to begin to implement such things into your lives. And so let's just walk through the text we've read together along those lines first. Let's talk about... The motivation or the why why prayer why is prayer so important well the answer is because as Paul says in Romans 14 which Susan read all of life is to be lived towards God let's look at the verses again he says for none of us lives to himself for if we live we live to the Lord and if we die we die unto the Lord so then whether we live or whether we die we are the Lord's let me ask you a question what is the direction of your life If you could illustrate your life by drawing an arrow, what would it look like? Which direction would the arrow be pointing? Do you live towards yourself? Are you pointed back at your own needs and wants and desires? Is the arrow curved inward toward you? That's how Martin Luther describes sin. He said it's the human heart curved in on itself A pervasive self-centeredness and narcissism, that's true of every one of us to one degree or another. Do you live toward yourself? Let me ask this, do you live toward others? Is your life aimed at what others want and need and expect from you? Is the arrow pointed outward toward others? This is also sin if it's the most fundamental thing about your life because then it is idolatry. It's putting others in the place of God. And that was part of the problem there in Romans chapter 14. That's what they were doing that Paul's here trying to correct. And so the questions come, do you live towards yourself? Do you live towards others? Or do you live, as Paul says here, toward the Lord, toward God? Does your arrow point up? Do you live for you? Do you live for others? Do you live for God? We read just this past week in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in our community Bible reading These words, that Jesus Christ died for us so that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us. He is the reason. He is the person that we're meant to live for. And this is what it means to love God with all of your heart and soul and strength above all else, which is, of course, the greatest commandment. Well, then these verses in Thessalonians that we also read, which expand and and bring bring color and nuance to what it means to live unto the Lord. Paul writes, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, he says, look at your whole life through a God lens. That's what Paul's saying there. Don't live with God at the periphery. Put him right in the middle of everything you do, which means... Prayer, because that is what prayer is. The point is to be with God, not just to get things from him, but I've always been intimidated by those verses, and I imagine you have been at times too, because it says, pray without ceasing, and and, I mean, who can do that? But let's not be dismissive. God is worthy of all that Paul demands of us in those verses. If we were working right, the way we were made to work, We would have no problem with this we would be not just rejoicing but always rejoicing and not just praying but praying without ceasing and not just giving thanks but in every circumstance good or bad all of the time it may feel unreachable but that highlights the way sin has crippled us spiritually and part of the problem especially with prayer is that we think of prayer only as something that we do and not as a way to live, and it is both. It is an action and a posture of the heart, a habit and a lens through which you look at all of your life. I mean, it's hard to know what come, which one comes first. I mean, do you pray because you're living toward God or do you pray in order to live towards God? And the answer is yes, but it's chicken and egg. For our purposes though, at least for the next few weeks, we're going to start with the assumption that habits are there to help point the arrow of your life in the right direction. In this case, not inward toward me and not outward toward others and living my life for the sake of others instead of God, but upward toward God himself. Justin Early puts it like this. He says, you say your prayers until your prayers say you. And he means that the habit comes first, that the act of Love shapes the feelings of love, and often the actions come before the feelings. You can't pray without ceasing until you start to pray. And so we're asking you to consider as a part of a rule of life that we would engage in together as a church to commit to kneeling prayer three times a day. That's, that's, that's what this sermon is about, as a way of embracing this loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength above everything else. There are habits of embrace and there are habits of resistance. We're going to see this in the coming weeks. Habits of faith and habits of repentance. And prayer is a habit of embrace. It is an intentional, proactive, turning your whole life toward God, a God orientation for all of life. Years and years ago, I read a book by a man named Calvin Miller Uh, And and in the book he described the way most of us approach our spiritual lives and it's always stuck with me. He said, it's like we're driving with an 18 inch brake and a 6 inch steering wheel. He said, we have a curious emphasis on the brakes instead of the steering wheel when it comes to spiritual things. We're forever quitting something is the way he put it, but spiritual progress is just as tied to the things that we start, to the things that we embrace the new spiritual practices that we put into practice in our lives and so kneeling prayer three times a day well why three times a day i'm actually going to come back to this during the week this next week and try to give you some more detail that'll be something new that we've never done before too so be on the lookout for that but for now let me just say that there's some biblical precedent for praying at certain times of the day in order to frame the day at least morning and evening with worship and prayer Beginning and ending the day with God is a way of learning to do it in all of the hours in between also. But the day, for most of us, most naturally divides in three. Morning, afternoon, and evening. And I have found that I need to be reminded at the very beginning of the day, every day without fail in fact, that it is a day that God has made and that my job is to rejoice in it and to receive it and whatever comes from it as from him that the power for each day is, comes from God and not from me, and my effectiveness will be measured not by all of my doing, but by whether I am able to spend the day abiding in him. I've also found that by midday, I've forgotten all of that stuff that I learned at the beginning of the day, and I need to be reoriented and reminded of it yet again, especially around 2 p.m. in the afternoon when, uh, when it seems that I start to get really tired It's at that moment that I need to be reminded that God is inexhaustibly great and inexhaustibly good, and He doesn't get tired like me. And all of the planning and all of the building that I do during the workday is in vain unless He is building as well. And then, you know, I've found that I need to end my day by reflecting on the good and the bad and remembering that there is not one single thing that I have that has not been given to me, and therefore I owe the giver a million thousand thank yous. And these times of prayer, morning, afternoon, and evening, frame the day. They are a trellis, a scaffolding that lets me get both hands on the work of loving God above everything else and all the in between. Anne Lamott contends there are three essential prayers, and they are this help wow and thanks and I adore her though she is quite irreverent and absolutely not orthodox and that may be why I adore her it makes me adore her even more anyway but those three prayers have become my rhythm and so in the morning every day I pray help and I structure my prayers around that word and in the afternoon I take a few moments to make sure that I stop to say, wow, and just adore God and glory in Him. And then at night, usually just about the time I'm falling asleep, I make sure to stop and take a moment to say thanks. And that's the way this has worked in my life, I offer it only as a suggestion. You might write out single sentences for morning, afternoon, and evening prayers and commit those to memory and bring them out whenever you find a few moments in the day to say it out loud. You might open the Bible and read a Psalm three times a day, whatever works for you. We'll talk about some of those methods hopefully next week. Uh, But three times a day going to the Lord in prayer. Now why kneeling prayer? Because we're talking about kneeling prayer three times a day and the reason for the kneeling prayer is because, and listen to these words, often one of the only ways to take hold of your mind is to take hold of your body. We are embodied creatures. Spiritual formation then is not just soul work, it is body work too. What we do with our bodies and what we do with our souls is always intertwined. And so to be on your knees is a posture of humility and reverence before God and that's what prayer is all about. Falling to your knees is itself a prayer in just the posturing of your body before you actually say anything. At least that's how Stanley Hauerwas puts it. He says this, if one wants to learn to pray, one had better know how to bend the body. Learning the gesture and posture of prayer is inseparable from learning to pray. Indeed, the gestures are prayer. Tish Warren, who is a priest, describes a time in her life when she could not pray. She was hurt and angry with God. You know, pastors feel that way a lot of the time, too. But listen to the, word, the way she described her experience. She said this. She said, The words failed me. Prayer without words Prayer in and through my body became a lifeline. I couldn't find the words, but I could kneel. I could submit to God through my knees. And so as she goes on, she says she started with her body and eventually the words came, but not before she engaged her body. Now, to do this, of course you have to have a plan. You have to have a routine. You have to have a place, some sort of schedule. That's the point three times a day kneeling prayer, if, if you're able, but to have some sort of plan moving forward. You know, in all of the teaching did, Jesus did on prayer, the emphasis uh, overwhelmingly is on being persistent. Not necessarily doing it right, but just doing it and keep doing it again and again and again to push past the uncomfortable feelings and the cynicism and the doubt and all of that and to keep going towards the Lord in prayer. Uh, There's a story that I, I love of a University of Florida professor who in a photography class divided the class up into two groups. And the first group was the quantity group and they were told that they would be graded in the class only on the quantity of photos they took over the semester. That was the only qualification for their grade. The second group was the quality group, and they were going to be graded solely on the quality of the one photo. So the best photo that they took throughout the whole semester, they were to turn that in, and that would be the sum total of their grade. And the surprise was that the quantity group produced better photos in the end than the quality group did. Why? Well, because repetition produces better results than perfection. So experiment. Have fun. Read the book by, just, by, by um, Justin Early. Read that book. Or the other books in the resources I've listed in the sermon outline. Joe has hyperlinked them to Amazon so you can go and, and get them if you want to. And then keep at it. That's the most important thing. Keep at it. You know, it's not complicated, it's just hard. And like I said, we're going to try to help you, so tune in in the coming days for that. Now, here's the thing, though. This is a sermon, not a pep talk. So we need to finish by looking to Jesus because he is the one who provides, A, the pattern of this way of living towards God, and also, in his spirit, the power for following him in his way. And prayer was his way. It's obvious as you read the gospel narratives. It stands out, in fact, his all-night prayer sessions with the Father It was the pattern of his life to pray because he is the one who actually did all of the things that Paul wrote about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He really did rejoice always. He prayed without ceasing. He gave thanks in all circumstances. He truly lived not for himself and not even for others, not ultimately, but for God. He lived toward the Father with every breath and even his dying breath. And so prayer was the most natural thing in the world for him. And that is good news for you and for me because it means that if we're in a relationship with him, if he is our rabbi and our teacher, then he can teach us how to do it too. And if you believe in him, he has given you his spirit, who the Apostle Paul says helps us in our weakness when it comes to prayer. For the past number of years, I've had the privilege of traveling and teaching a Praying Life seminar all over the country, not because I'm an expert, but actually because I'm a prayer flunky. It's my greatest besetting sin and apparently one of my greatest assets. And I can tell you that the number one reason people struggle with prayer, at least as I meet them and talk with them about prayer, is that they don't think they need to pray. And that's another topic for another sermon, but the second reason, the number two reason, that I find as I talk with people for, for why they don't pray is because they're afraid of doing it wrong. It's so awkward and clunky and they have a track record of failure. And so most people try for a little while and then just give up and see they miss out on the most important thing, which is persistence. And so let me just speak to that for just one moment as I close. The Hebrews 10 passage, which Jonathan read earlier, says that the way to God for all those who believe in Jesus has been opened up for us by the sacrifice of Jesus of himself upon the cross, that the door has been thrown wide open for us to come right in with confidence, not because we deserve to be there, but because we are dressed up in Jesus's righteousness. That's the Christian gospel, but it's also an invitation to prayer. It's encouragement that when we pray, no matter how clunky or terrible we might be at it, our prayers get in. They're not forced to wait outside of the door. They come right into God, not because we do it right, but because even our prayers are dressed up in Jesus's righteousness. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said that the pagans, the people who don't believe in God, they pray thinking that they're heard because they do it right. But Christians... They have a different approach altogether. Christians simply pray, our Father in heaven. Because Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection has made it possible for us to call God Father. And you know, any father worth his salt doesn't care that his kids can say it all right. They don't, you know, he doesn't correct imprecise pronunciation fathers just want to be with their kids it's just like what we read this past week in second corinthians 6 where god says this i will be a father to you says the lord almighty and the apostle paul can't quite get over it and that should be the way we feel too because that is the gospel promise that beckons us to keep coming to keep going after this spiritual habit that seems to elude so many of us kneeling prayer three times a day it is a net for catching days in a life lived towards god A life lived towards God, which is the very life that you and I were made for. Amen? Well, let's pray. Would you pray with me? And so, Father, thank you for your kind overtures to us to say, come to me. You say, come to me, all you who are weary. You say, come to me, all of you who have nothing, no money, nothing... Uh, to buy anything with come to me it's an offer of free grace come because I so long to be with you I so long to dwell with you I so long to commune with you to abide with you and you with me uh, You, your heart so longs to be near to us that you ask us to come and you've worked in the person of Jesus to throw the doors open to remove every barrier between you and your people so that now because of Gospel grace, we can, as the writer of Hebrews says, come boldly, approaching you boldly, not trembling because of our sin, but boldly because of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, that you've given us the Spirit and that the Spirit is in us, groaning and working with our weakness, our disability in prayer, and turning our prayers into something beautiful. The Spirit is praying for us as He prays in us, turning our lives into something beautiful that would bring you glory and so please Father we confess to you our inabilities our deformities when it comes to this practice that should be just like breathing air for us and there's so much dysfunction often in our relationship with you that we don't live in the freedom and the power of being children who come before a loving father and so recapture that for us this morning speak to us in these moments and then unleash in us not only a desire but good wisdom and strategies and creativity toward a life of prayer that we might be known above all else as people who pray glorify your name in that way among us help us to utilize this time this opportunity that you've given to us in these days help us to capture it as a net to pray we ask it all in jesus name amen amen i hope you hear in the service this morning the voice of the father tenderly calling you to come and be with him Uh, again be looking for ways that we're going to try to practically help all of us as a church put some of these things into practice in the days and weeks to come receive this word of benediction I'm going to read from a different place this morning from the end of the book of hebrews Uh, Chapter 13 beginning in verse 20, uh, receive this as a good word from your father, as a promise that the work that needs to be done in your life is ultimately work that he takes responsibility for. And he's faithful and he will do it. Hear these words. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.